Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know, I'm thinking this could be the new open for Hardline. The politics of dancing. Get the big voice guy. We might have to work on that, Lucas. I think that's what we're going to do. Welcome. It is Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you for the next two hours. Hope everyone's having a great start to their Sunday morning. We have a packed show for you. First hour, former state senator George Maziars will be joining us. He's in studio. And then in the second hour, we have Congressman Brian Higgins and Erie County legislator Tim Myers. So, hey, we've got a show for you, starting with former state senator George hey, Maziars. I'm already impressed. I get an hour and Higgins only gets a half hour? Well, hey, <laughs> you, you know, if the congressman would offer us an hour, um, we would definitely take it. George, how you doing? It's been a while. Very good, Joe. How are you? How's married life treating you, Joe? So far, so good. Well, it's... I have to say that because she's listening. Uh, <laughs> but George, I have to say, and I wanted to say this on the on the uh, on the radio. You texted me in September, and I completely did not see it until two days ago. Really? So I apologize for that, and I want to make sure that everyone uh, knew I am sorry, and honestly, I just didn't see it, and I no apologize. No problem at all, Joe. That's, no problem at all. That's the world of texting. It's, it's, an, it's another topic we'll take up on another show. <laughs> that's right. Now, we have the redistricting to talk about and a lot of yes. stuff in the state to talk about, but I, I want to start with a question about what we're seeing here at a county level and how it can be addressed at the state level, because... Uh, as you know, Mark Polencars, the Erie County Executive, has yes. his emergency powers. And anytime it's brought up, we're told, well, it has to be taken away at a state level. State being run by Democrats doesn't seem like that would be um, uh, easy, the easiest thing to get done. But why is it that a local, you know, at a local level, a county level, the legislature at that municipality can't take those powers away. Why is it the state has to take them away? Well, I, I first of all, I, I disagree with that interpretation, but, you know, I'm sure the county attorney who who is is also a Democrat, Democrat political operative is making that determination. Uh, I don't think that's accurate. I think the Erie County legislature could do it. it it's surprising and, and somewhat disappointing that the legislators, and the majority, the Democrats I'm talking about, won't say, you know, wait a minute, you know, uh, putting all that power in one individual is not such a good thing. And, uh, you know, uh, 
I think for some, and I'm not necessarily pointing any fingers at anybody, but for some, the continuation of COVID is, uh, uh, you know, has some some political positives to it. You know, I mean, you can send out absentee ballots to everybody, you know, which um, uh, is certainly going to favor, uh, uh, you know, one party over the other. You know, I think things like that play come into play. That seems like a short term view, though, because eventually you think more people are if you are in power right now. Right. You would think that the next time people go to the ballot, you're not looking too good with, you know, the study that came out from Johns Hopkins, which isn't, you know, particularly a conservative school that came out and said lockdowns didn't save lives, but it killed the economy. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's that doesn't look good. You would think more and more people are going through this. The more they see. Look at Florida wide open, pretty much having the same numbers as New York State. Why is this? Why did this person make these decisions? So maybe short-term political positives, but in the long term, I think a lot of these politicians, yeah, a lot of politicians, only think in the short term. Though, yeah, Joe. that's true. You know, that's uh, um, that's the world we live in. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it, it's it's very interesting, you know, at a state level to see that Erie County, the one county that has kept these powers for now two years, and um, like you said, with a majority in the legislature. What can't he do without those powers? That that in particular, and I think Mark Polencars has a, a personal relationship with the governor. I mean, she's from Erie County. Right. Uh, you know, they were both active. I'm sure they probably both grew up within the the you know Democratic Party activism uh, back in the day. And you know, I, I I'm sure he's got the governor. He's got the governor's ear, which is a good thing to have yeah. for an elected official. I wish the Bills had the governor's ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get into that. We're going to get all things state. But the number one thing, the, the thing that people even outside of New York State are talking, you see this on CNN, you've seen it on Fox News, the New York Times, which is all over the country. Uh, and that's the redistricting here in New York State. Yes. And you look at some of these districts, George. I, Go through this process. How did they come up, especially with New York 24? How did they come up with these districts? You know, it's uh, it's a political process, and it's done, uh, you know, with the interest of the of the party in control. Uh, it's, it's just it's just, that's the reality of it. You know, the Democrats are, are complaining. I think what you're re- referring to are complaining about Georgia, Texas, North Carolina, Florida. You know, the Republicans in those states using their uh, political power to enhance their, their, their base, increase their numbers in both the state legislature and in the congressional districts. Uh, you know, the Democrats are complaining about it, and in New York, they're, they're doing the exact same thing. You know, it's just, it's just the process. It's the way it is. It's, you know, somebody has to do it. You know, 10 years ago, I was on the redistricting committee, you know, in 2012, and we could not, the Assembly and the Senate could not agree on congressional district lines. And it actually went to a to uh, an impartial judge, a federal judge at the time, and they drew the congressional congressional lines. This time, you know, with a supermajority in the Senate and the Assembly, you know, that wasn't going to happen. And this whole this whole redistricting thing, you know, redistricting independent commission, that was a farce from day one. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, the Democrats were not going to allow that to happen. Uh, and, and and look, it, I'm going to say this. If the Republicans were in control, they wouldn't have allowed it to happen either. Right. You know, <laughs> so, you know, I'm not, I'm not, throwing any negative aspersions uh, uh, anywhere. I mean, it's just, it's just the process. It's the way it is. If you're going to, if you are going to, um, if you've got a supermajority in both houses, you're going to draw the lines to your favor. It's, it's, it's bad, though, Joe, for Western New York, I think in particular, because we are losing a Senate seat. Right now we have six state senators that represent, you know, Western New York. Western New York I'm talking about from, from the Pennsylvania line up to the Lake Ontario and then over to uh, Rochester. Uh, you know, we have we have six uh, uh, state senators, all of whom are, are very good people. They're in both political parties. 
I know all of them. They're they're great uh, representatives. I think we're losing one seat. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Rath in Amherst. His seat is has been uh, obliterated. Uh, you, you know, I mean, if Ed runs again. I wish him luck, but it's you know, it's, a, it's an overwhelmingly Democratic seat. So his seat's been so where he is now. That yeah. district is being taken up by another Democrat, uh, right. a, a Democrat majority district. Right, exactly. Yeah. And who is that current Am, state senator? Uh, 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 Tim Kennedy. They're, they're, what they're doing is they're adding Amherst into Tim Kennedy's district. Now Amherst okay. has been trending heavily Democratic, although Ed Rath has survived there for a long time. Uh, you know, I served with, with Ed's mom, Mary Lou, an excellent uh, state legislator. But you know, again, you know, what it's doing is it's it's uh, uh, giving us it's it's eliminating the district. And what what the Democrats did is they they added two districts uh, uh, to not added them. There were 63 uh, 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 total districts, but they took two, one out of Western New York and one out of the Capital District, the Albany area, and created two new districts in New York City, one in Queens and one in Brooklyn. And in those two districts in Queens and Brooklyn, Abraham Lincoln could be running as a Republican candidate and he wouldn't win. Okay. You know, so. so those are going to be two additional Democratic seats. Uh, we're going to lose a seat here in Western New York. They're going to lose a seat in the Capitol District. And and the other thing that they did is they made some other Republican districts extremely competitive. You know, uh, where uh, you know, and and the Democrats, you know, being in a supermajority, uh, are going to have a, you know a better funding mechanism for campaigns. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, 2022 is shaping up to be a good Republican year. Could be in the rest of the country, not so much in New York. I think right now the way it looks. You know, and, and people are focusing more on these congressional districts, but you know, the state the state senate districts are, are another thing. I think a lot of people don't even know. Don't, got, right, exactly. Uh, we're exactly. switched. And and for your and and really, you know, I, I realize you know being in Congress obviously is very important, and you know the national news, and you tend to get you know Fox and and CNN and all the national news stories. But but really, your your your, <laughs> I think the state legislature really impacts your pocketbook a whole lot more. And you, you know what they did? They they took. Chictawaga out of Kennedy's district and put that into Pat Gallivan's district. Now, Pat Gallivan has a whole Erie County district. He doesn't have, I think he lost Wyoming County and Livingston County. His district is wholly contained within Erie County. Now, now Pat, excellent legislator, excellent state senator. Um, uh, you know, Pat, I think, will survive in that district as long as he wants to. He's very popular, you know, former Erie County sheriff, ma- youngest major in the state police. Uh, but I think what the Democrats are thinking is, you know, Time marches on, and eventually, uh, you know, Pat is going to leave that district, uh, and, you know, that's going to be a very competitive district for a Democrat. A cons- uh, I wouldn't say a conservative. I don't think there's such thing as a conservative Democrat, but a moderate Democrat out of Chictawaga, that's a good district. If I was a moderate Democrat in Chictawaga, I'd be looking at that district uh, when Pat retires. <laughs> so Chictawaga adds the Democrat, makes it a more Democratic district. Makes it a much more Democratic district. I mean, when you're, take, you're taking you're, – you're taking – in Senator Gallivan's district, you, you're taking away Livingston County, heavily Republican, Wyoming County, heavily Republican, and get, and adding Chitawaga, you know, heavily Democratic. You know, you're, you're drawing the lines for your own political party. And they did the same thing in the, in the Albany area, in the Capital District. They they took two Republicans, uh, 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 Peter uh, Oberdecker and Jim Tedesco. Jim Tedesco has been in the state legislature for a hundred years, I think. Jimmy's a good guy, um, but. Uh, they took their there was a two Republican senators adjacent to each other. They took probably eighty percent of Oberdecker's district and 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 took Tedesco's house, you know, and put it in that district. So they're going to have to run against each other in a primary. And you know, obviously, if two Republicans run in the primary, you're only going to end up with one of them. Yeah. 
it seems like we're, we're going to see that throughout the state, especially yeah. in those congressional districts, uh, Republicans, pop, maybe even popular Republicans uh, running in yeah. primaries because yeah. districts have been yeah. eliminated. The, the congressional districts were something really, uh, you know, look, you knew the Democrats, you know, there was an article in the Atlantic magazine, which is which I don't read on a regular basis because it's just too liberal and leftist. But there was one article that was brought to my attention about redistricting. Now, this is this is eight months ago. And Nancy Pelosi was interviewed, and she said, in New York, we can pick up, we can easily pick up anywhere between three and five seats just by redistricting alone. And she was, she was correct. I mean, they just jammed all the Republicans into into three or four congressional districts, you know, and, and uh, you know, we, we've seen it. You, that, that's how you end up with districts that go from Lewiston to Watertown. Um, you know what the surprising <laughs> Which thing is the, the most con- ridiculous looking yeah. district I've seen. Yeah. But the surprising thing about the congressional redistricting is the Southern Tier District. I think that's number 23. Yep. Um, you know that 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 Claudia Tenney, who is going to move from Utica to the Southern Tier to represent that district and apparently has the blessings of the hierarchy of the Republican Party. I mean, I look at I you know, I'm not at that level anymore where I'm, you know, in those rooms where the, those decisions are being made. But I'm thinking, what about, you know, uh, Rob Ort? I mean, you know, uh, uh, Rob could move 20 miles and be in that district. Uh, you know, Chris Jacobs, an excellent, another excellent representative that we have for Western New York, is moving 20 miles into his district. And Claudia Tenney is 250 miles away in Utica. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Dave DiPietro, Dave DiPietro, I, I think he might already represent a portion of that congressional district. And I think he may even live in that congressional district. I mean, that district, to me, again, you know, from a thousand feet, looks like a, a, a slam dunk for a guy like Dave Pietro. I mean, it's, it's, it's Republican. It's extremely conservative. Uh, you may be shocked to hear this, but Dave DiPietro is extremely conservative. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, you know, it's, it would seem to me like it, it'd be a given for for a, a Rob Order or a Dave DiPietro. You know, I, I I just can't believe that that they want to sit back and stay in the in the minority. I mean, unfortunately, you know, and sadly, I think and, and negatively for New York State, the Senate is probably going to end up with um, you know maybe only seventeen Republicans out of sixty three. Wow. Uh, you know, and that's that's just not good for anybody. And more difficult now to take back seats in the way that this uh, has been redrawn. It's impossible. It's it's they've made the Senate uh, very much like the Assembly now. And the Assembly, you know, there's 150 seats. You have, I think, uh, and and I'm not absolutely certain about these numbers, but there's something like 110 Democrats and 40 Republicans. You know, um, Republicans really don't have any sway. And I, I wouldn't say they don't have much sway. They don't have any sway at all. Uh, you know, the, the Senate is going to be very much like that. And, you know, in Albany, there's something I think they call, uh, what we, we used to call them, the minority malaise, you know, that the minority just kind of sits around and, and, you know, it's not fun. It's not, you know, they really don't have any sway with policy at all. You know, they hold press conferences, they send out press releases that, you know, very few people read, quite frankly. Um were you surprised that Chris Jacobs is going to move into 24 and not run for 23? No, that made a lot of sense to me because, because you know, Chris, first of all, represents um, a good portion of that district already. Right. You know, Niagara County, Orleans County, I think Western Monroe County. He represents a good portion of that district already. Um, 
you know, and you know, I, I think he's uh, he's well known up in that area. You know, Chris Jacobs. The, again, the surprise to me is the is the other district, the Southern Tier district. That that you know, uh, I was surprised that that Senator Ort didn't didn't. Uh, Jump on that immediately, or, or you know, uh, I, I know uh, George Borello, the state senator from down there, um, uh, kind of took himself out uh, pretty early. Kathy Young took herself out. I, 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 again, I just think it's unusual, and and there certainly is a story behind it. I mean, we haven't seen, you know, we haven't seen you know McCarthy do a deep dive into it yet, or Bob McCarthy, I'm talking about from the Buffalo News, or or Jim Heaney at an Investigative Post do a deep dive into it yet, but but that's coming. I mean, there is definitely, you know, a story behind, I'm thinking, again, from 10,000 feet, uh, this congressional district is is there, you know, heavily Republican, heavily conservative, and somebody's moving from 250 miles away, Utica, to, to, to run in this district as the endorsed Republican candidate. Again, I, I think, you know, Claudia Tenney may be a very good, I she was in the assembly when I was in the Senate, I really didn't know her that well. Um, I think she's, you know, a... Uh, uh, I think she's a very good person, you know, certainly uh, agrees with, with, with my political philosophy. But I just think, you know, somebody from Western New York, again, like, uh, uh, like, like I think Rob Ort would make an excellent congressman. I, I think he, I think he was, uh, I think he had the votes to do it uh, when, when Chris Collins left office. And, you know, the situation was, you know, Chris Jacobs uh, ended up with it. But I just, I, I don't know. And, and then, then again, David DiPietro. I mean, if, you, if ever there was a district that was made for a conservative Republican, and again, I'm, I'm sure I'm shocking your listeners telling you that David <laughs> DiPietro is a conservative Republican. Uh, I, uh, I want to dig more into that, into that Southern Tier District um, especially, and other potential, other people that you, you, would, you, you would think uh, would run there. Also, want to put some more focus back on that state Senate, because again, I think yeah. more, more people are looking at these congressional districts, not realizing what's going to happen as you said, something that you're going to notice uh, more on an everyday basis in those Senate, uh, state Senate. Yes. Yes. So we will talk about that. Also, I got a few other state-related questions for former state Senator George Maziars. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. We will be back after news with Alan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is hard. I should say welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. George Maziars uh, is joining us for another segment. And George, we're continuing to talk about the, this redistricting and the, um, the congressional districts, which have gotten a lot of, a lot of focus. Um, but you also look at the state Senate level. And so say 17 Republicans left in state Senate after this go around? It could be, you know, it's, uh, uh, I think worst case scenario for the Republicans. So you know, just you, you got the two seats that they created in New York City. Those those are clearly going to be Democratic seats. And those are taken away Republican. Right. They, right. Um, there's a, a district on Long Island that they made uh, a, a majority Hispanic district. Uh, there's a person down there who used to be a state senator, uh, Monica Martinez. She's probably going to run again for that district. You know, that could be a loss for the Republicans. Um, and and there's there really are very few competitive Democratic seats, competitive in a general election. Um, and there are uh, at least three or four very competitive Republican seats in the election. So those are still up for grabs, too. So And, and you go 17, as you said here, we're, we're, we're missing a district. Now, if you were advising Ed Rath, who, whose district got taken away, would you advise him to run? And how would you approach it? with now a Democrat-majority district? I'll tell you, if I were Ed Rath, if I, I, I'm going to go back to uh, that 23rd congressional district. If I were Ed Rath, I'd, I'd, you know, Ed Rath is a reasonable Republican conservative. You know, I'd, I'd look at that district, you know. Um, you know, again, Ed Rath is another one who'd have to move 20 miles like Rob Orr to get, be in a district uh, to oppose somebody who had to move 250 miles. You know? yeah. I mean, you know, but a lot of it comes down to the resources that you have available you know the financial resources. You know it's it's a difficult thing. I I I, I don't know. You know um, Ed. Um, there's there's other elected positions available. I'm mean, supervising the town of Amherst. I'm not real familiar with with you know the the Brian Copa. Yeah, with, with the well, what's going on politically in Erie County. But I think didn't didn't the supervisor have a pretty tight race the last time? Uh, he he did he did against yeah. someone who. Um, wasn't living in Amherst. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, Ed Rath is Mr. Amherst. You know, right. I mean, uh, you know, maybe Ed would be interested in a town supervisor. I don't know. I haven't spoken to Ed Rath in months, so I really don't know. And, and you look at the, the different districts, right? No, he has a great mother, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you look at the different districts and the ones that are, are leaning, you know, that are more conservative and the ones that are more liberal. But you take Amherst, for example. Now, when I when I was younger in Amherst, back in middle school, high school, Amherst was always perceived to me as a more conservative Suburb. Oh, it was a bastion of the Republican Party. Amherst and the town of Tonawanda were the bastion of the Republican Party. The town of Tonawanda under Carl Calabrese was, was uh, you know, the Republican example in the state of New York. Now, now both of them, I think, I think just about every elected official, with maybe like the highway superintendent or something, is a is a Democrat. And and does, do you see that getting any different, or is that going to continue to sway more and more Democrat in these suburbs that again used to be? Uh, leaning right, now leaning more and more left. Well, it's up to the Republican Party, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, both statewide and, and, and locally. They have to do more outreach. I mean, right now in New York, there's four million more Democrats. That's, that's you know, my good friend Lee Zeldin, who, you know, I'm going to vote for, and, 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 you know, I like him a lot. I served with him in the state Senate. But, you know, in 1994, when George Pataki won for governor, I think there were about a million more Democrats in New York State and there were Republicans, and George Pataki was successful against Mario Cuomo. You know, today there are four, almost four million, four million more Democrats than there are Republicans in in uh, New York State. I, it's a tough road to climb. And you can bet that COVID is going to go right up to Election Day, and the governor and the legislature and the uh, the Senate and the Assembly are going to say, "Oh, we have to we have to send uh, absentee ballots to everybody," you know, to prevent people from you know, you know becoming victims of the pandemic and everything. When you send absentee ballots to everybody, you know, you have 4 million more Democrats than you do Republicans, it clearly favors the Democrats. I mean, last year, or let's see, two years ago, in the state Senate elections, which I watched very closely, you know, on election night, I mean, it looked as if the Republicans were going to um, at least keep two seats that were very competitive and pick up another two seats. I mean, they were, and, you know, that all evaporated when they started counting the absentee ballots. Do you think, you know, we see over the last two years, and you've mentioned it, you know, going to Florida, um, going to other states, we've seen this exodus of New York, mostly Republicans leaving the state of New York. I I talk to people regularly during the week who say, yeah, Joe, we're packing up, we're moving somewhere else. That, to me, seems like it's just going to continue to hurt the local Republican Party, and there's really less and less room for them to make any gains. There's no question about it. The, the Democrats are using in their in their legal challenge. And by the way, let me just uh, give a tip of hand here to the Republicans. They hired the right attorney to argue their case in court, George Winner uh, from the Southern Tier. George is a smart guy. Uh, he's a good lawyer. He knows election law inside and out. He'll do a good job for the Republicans. The problem is that courts tend not to want to get involved in, in you know, drawing up legislative district lines. They stay away from that. But um, um, you know, the, the, the point I was going to make was that, you know, with, with four million more Democrats, you know, uh, Mike Gianaris, the person who actually drew these lines, said, you know, look, at with the population changes in New York, you had a, you had a decreasing population in upstate New York and an increasing population in New York City. So therefore, you know, that's the justification for taking two seats, one from western New York, one from the Albany area and putting them one in Queens and one in Brooklyn. That's his justification. That's going to be their justification to the court. I don't know. This is just me. I, I, I like New York City. I like visiting New York City. I can't believe that more people are moving into New York City while other people are leaving the rest of the state. Well, it just, uh, you know, I think you have a lot of uh, 
immigration, be it legal or illegal, uh, immigrants coming in, you know, and everybody looks to New York as the beacon to, to go to. I mean, in New York, they're, they're allowing illegal immigrants to vote. I mean, I'm sure the social services plan is, is better than, you know, wherever they left. And that's the that's the question I want to get into before we're done here. But I want to look at Lee Zeldin in that race because, as you said, it's going to be a steep a steep hill to climb. How how do you knowing that you have to get some Democrats to vote for you, right, or some non affiliated voters to vote for you? How do you, as a Republican currently serving in Congress, appeal to enough voters to maybe at least make it a close election in November? Well. Conventional wisdom, not, I'm not necessarily telling you I agree with this, but conventional wisdom will tell you that you had to move more to the center away from the right. I think it's going to be maybe a little difficult for Lee to do that because he certainly has a, has a record. That's what George Pataki did in 1994. I mean, George Pataki was a fairly uh, conservative uh, uh, assembly person and then a state senator, and, and he, he changed his views on, on a lot of things and became more, more centric and, uh, you know, was able to beat Mario Cuomo. Now, a lot of that was, I think, negative about Mario Cuomo, too. He had been in office for three, three terms. You know, any chief executive, mayor, county executive, governor, you know, that's in office for multiple terms, you know, you, you get people mad at you, you know. And, and I think that, that played well for George Pataki, you know. Lee's got a situation where you've got, you know, again, four million more Democrats. Um, you know, Lee has staked out a, a pretty, you know, right-wing position on, on policy issues. Uh, and he's got an opponent, Kathy Hochul, who, you know, is, uh, you know, a nice person. Kathy is a very nice person. You know, she, she uh, kind of, you know, gets along very well with the legislature, as her predecessor, Andrew Cuomo, did not. You know, uh, Democrats across the state like her. They're going to help her a lot. You know, whereas with Cuomo, they were doing it more, I think, out of a, a sense of obligation to the party than they were to the person. I think with Kathy Hochul, they're going to do it out, uh, out of a sense of obligation to the person. And, uh, you know, she's, she's going to be a, a formidable opponent. And also, Kathy, you remember when she was a congressperson in a in a uh, very conservative district? She was— After Chris Lee. She, Pardon me? After Chris Lee, she right, did the, right, the special right. election. She was, uh, uh, um, she was, you know, pro NRA. She was conservative, moderate, whatever. And you know, now she tends to be very progressive. You know, she's going where the left of the Democratic Party is going. Um, Do you think you look at COVID? We, we've brought up COVID, and you know, uh, there are people. You look at Bill Maher, right? Who's pr- a pretty liberal guy who was talking about how you know he's over the COVID restrictions. It's time to get back to normal. And this is a guy that. You know, is pretty much on the the side of the left. Do you think that's going to cost people like Kathy Hochul at election time? Are there going to be Democrats that, yeah, they might agree, but they don't want to live under the threat of any more restrictions after this election? I think it certainly will. I think I I think it, it definitely people are getting fed up with it. I think particularly, I mean, you saw it in the Virginia governor's race. You know, where um, I, I think particularly parents of school children. I mean, uh, enough is enough. I mean, you know. <laughs> Three-year-old. I, I take my grandson to uh, uh, to pre-K uh, every other day, and you know, I mean, they, they, you know, the kids are all there. They're all in, you know, wrapped up in face masks and all that stuff. You know, I mean, these are three, four-year-old kids. You know, I mean, they don't. I don't know. It just seems ridiculous to me, but. Yeah, you know, those are the rules. And I think that's another thing that Lee Zeldin's going to have to uh, to face with. Kathy Ogle, like I said, I think she's going to have some people uh, cautious because of the COVID, but she can also run on, I've only been here since August. Uh, that's true, too. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. That's probably going to help her as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, remember what? Remember the guy before? I've only been here since August. I could only do so much. Well, that's I'm 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 sure that's going to be a part of her campaign. Yeah. Are you surprised that um, Kathy Hochul's uh, opponents, you know, Letitia James, backed out as quickly as she did? I was, to be honest with you. I, I was. You know, attorney generals, you look at uh, Elliot Spitzer, Andrew Cuomo, attorney generals were governors in waiting, you know, and I was I was very surprised that she backed out when she did. I, uh, You know what? She just didn't catch steam. And, and, you know, again, you have to give you have to give Kathy Hochul credit. I mean, she went out very, you know, from day one. She went out to placate that left wing of the Democratic Party. I mean, you had Democratic Assemblyman from New York City, people that I know, Peter Abate, uh, came out and endorsed Kathy Hochul. I was I was surprised the the mayor of Yonkers, Mike Spano, came out and endorsed Kathy Hochul. Um, it just all you know, the chips fell. I, I I couldn't believe it. I I'm still surprised by it, to be honest with you. <laughs> you look at um, you mentioned in New York City now, where in the local elections, undocumented. Uh, immigrants, as some people want to say, or illegal immigrants, um, cannot can now vote in the local elections. Do you see that as anything that could happen on a state level? You know, with uh, a super majorities in both the Assembly and the Senate, oh, I, I can see that happening on a state level. Now, that that is going to be, uh, you know, a court challenge that maybe even could even go to the Supreme Court of the United States. But uh, I, I could see, definitely could see some Democrats in the Assembly trying to get that through. And actually some Democrats in the, in the Senate, too. You know, I mean, it's, it's gone so far to the left. Do we have any conservative Democrats left that you would think none. would go against their party on something Zero. like that? Zero. None. None that I know of anyway. I mean, uh, not on a national level or on a state level. I mean, it just, it's, uh, it's a much different uh, Democratic Party today. Looking at, again, going back to Kathy Hochul being the governor, being from Buffalo, what do you think these Bill Stadium negotiations are going like at the state level? You know, I think that, that they're obviously they're very secretive. I think that they're probably going well because Kathy Hochul, I, I think one plus is, you know, being from Buffalo, she knows the importance of, of getting together a deal. Now, you know, if, again, you're not going to get any Democrats that are going to come out there and say, you know, no taxpayer funding for a, for a, 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 a sports stadium. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, we may not even get any Republicans to say it, but, uh, you know, I, I think that's a very viable issue for somebody running for office, but whether the taxpayer should or should not, uh, you know, support, financially support, to, to a great extent, by the way, over a billion dollars of taxpayer money for a stadium. I mean, that is, uh, that is unheard of. You know, as a huge baseball fan and a diehard Mets fan, I know what the state put towards City Field. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they were putting comparable money toward Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. in the same year. Looking at looking at that, and again, I know I realize that's downstate. Being that the Bills are the only NFL team this state benefits off twenty seven million dollars a year, this state benefits off. Do you think that argument will help in the state Senate? Oh, no will question. Help in these it'll negotiations? Help. No question. It'll help. And again, you know, with uh, with uh, Kathy Hochul being from Buffalo, uh, knowing you know the importance. Of of the of you know having a, the presence of the National Football League here in Buffalo, you know I I think Joe I wouldn't be surprised if the deal's already been done. Okay. You know they're just waiting for the right time to make the announcement. You know maybe the right time was was after the new districts were formed. You know maybe the right time is you know after the budget is passed. Uh, you know there'll be a right time. To me again I have no inside information whatsoever. To me, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the deal isn't already done. Now, looking at, again, this is this goes through in Albany, people who aren't familiar with the area. Do you think you're going to have some people backing off in these negotiations saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
The stadium's going to stay in a, in, in a suburb? Shouldn't this be in the city? Shouldn't this be downtown? Do you think that's been brought up at all? Or do you think Kathy Hochul is 100% honest when she says, if the Bills want Orchard Park, the Bills get Orchard Park? No, I don't think the majority leader in the New York State Senate or the Speaker of the New York State Assembly, um, they they really don't care if the, where the stadium is located, you know, right. whether downtown or not. You know, they're going to take the cue from their local uh from their local representatives, you know, uh, Assemblywoman uh, People Stokes, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tim Kennedy is probably the mover and shaker here on the Senate side. Um, you know, so they're going to take their, their cues from them. But I really don't think I, – I think I think the governor, Kathy Hochul, is going to be making a call mostly on this, on the stadium issues. Um, you know, she's, and she's certainly gonna, going to uh, uh, take – uh, Mark Polkars into her into her confidence. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm. I'm, I'm guessing at all this, but I'm sure that that's that's the way it's going to work. Uh, we had uh, Assemblywoman Crystal People Stokes on the show two weeks ago, and excellent person, very she, good person. She was in town with the governor and with our next guest, Congressman Higgins, mm-hmm. uh, about the 33, uh, the project at the 33, mm-hmm. and in closing that to bring neighborhoods back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just wondering if you had a thought on that. I, I know this is something that's been talked about for decades. Um, now it's you know it seems like. The plans are drawn up. The state's involved on this. Your thoughts, and do you think we're going to actually see this in, in motion? I can tell you one thing. I, I, it's, it's almost one of those things, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But if, if they're telling you now it's going to cost, and, I'm, and these are hypothetical figures. Right. If they're telling you it's going to be $200 million, I guarantee you it's going to be $500 million every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's something that it's going to be more expensive than the, the, it's the price tag. It's going to be a lot more expensive. It's, it, it almost reminds me of these, these arguments we used to have at budget time in the, in the state Senate about the subway system in New York, in New York City. You know, about there was always building a new Second Avenue subway or a new, you know, some new subway line or repairing it or something. And and one old timer got up one time and said, "I tell you this much: if if they tell you it's going to cost a hundred million, uh, when this project's done, it's going to be it's going to be five hundred million every day of the week." You know, <laughs> um, it just reminds me of that type of of uh, project. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, and I don't know how it brings the community together by covering it. I don't understand it. That's another thing, and that was my question. I mean, there's bridges there. You know, I mean, the, the, there's bridges almost at every at every street. Yes, um, I, I don't know. Covering the again, this these this is coming from people in the in the neighborhood. This is coming from people in that area. Yeah. This is something they say will 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 will, will help. Hey, I, I I have no reason not to believe them. I just I know New York State government, and I've heard of a lot of things. When I was in high school, we were supposed to have a subway being built down Niagara Falls Boulevard. Right. I am ten years removed from co- no, I'm sorry, twelve years removed from college, and still don't see that subway. Exactly. You know, I don't know. You know, look, this may be a little bit too simplistic, but when I go down to 33, I look around. I think to myself, you know, if they would just clean it up, you know, clean it up yeah. a little bit. You know, I mean, there's there's debris all over the place. I mean, you know, clean it up. I again, I. It'll be interesting. It's something that will obviously. I, I don't understand how covering it brings a community together. I don't. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, you know, because the, the next project, something that our next guest has brought up repeatedly, is the Skyway coming down yeah. and the removal of the 198. I, 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 these and these are like as someone who lives who used to live in the South Towns, I understand the the, the necessity mm-hmm. of the Skyway, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, uh, I drove to Buffalo just a couple of weeks ago, took my grandson who's only four years old over the Skyway just to. Just for the experience of going over the skyway, oh, yeah. you know, right? 
It was like an amusement ride. <laughs> now, don't tell Higgins I said that because then he wants to tear it down. Right. <laughs> but he's probably listening. Or, or is I, Chuck Eaton listening? <laughs> so, George, and, and last question. We talked about the state's congressional districts. We talked about the, the uh, state Senate districts. Looking nationally at Joe Biden, right, two years in, yes. midterm elections, do you think on a national pay, uh, a national landscape, Republicans uh, get both houses at, in November? No question about it. I think that they, I think that they are they're poised in other states. You know, look at in New York, they're going to pick up probably an additional three, four seats, whatever. Uh, but in other states, Texas, Florida, Florida, they're definitely going to pick up at least two, three. So they'll make up for it. Um, but I think in some of the swing districts, you know, where where the Democrats just barely won, you know, in in. Uh, uh, 2020, I, I, there's no question the House um, and the Senate both, you know, unless, let me give you one caveat on the Senate side, okay? Unless in the Senate, the Republicans get in a, a circular firing squad, you know, and, and you know, do each other in. Uh, like in, that could happen in Pennsylvania, um, you know, um, just it, it could happen. <laughs> And the last thing, because we talked a lot about Congress, and I look out in Wyoming where Liz Cheney is running, mm-hmm. and the party just censured Liz Cheney, mm-hmm. um, and you see a lot of people like Mitt Romney coming out against that, kind of speaking out against the party. Will stuff like this affect them in November, uh, uh, party-wide, mm-hmm. and do you think Liz Cheney gets reelected? I, I do think she's going to get reelected. Um, you know, People in Wyoming are pretty independent, I think, you know, and they just I think there's all this national, you know, pointing the finger at Liz Cheney. I, 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 I think she's going to get re- reelected. Um, you know, is it I'm sorry, what was your other question? Is it going to affect the parties you nationally? Know, seeing, you know, Mitt Romney go after his party, Liz Cheney go after the party, other Republicans in Congress. Um, you know, I think that's helpful, actually. I think, you know, having a having a little bit of, uh, of uh, discourse, uh, you know, is, 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 a, is a positive thing. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't see it harming the party. What I see harming is when you have, you know, primaries that clearly, like the Pennsylvania U.S. Senate race, they're clearly going to, you know, where the Democrats are unified. You know, Chuck Schumer is just, you know, uh, oh, the other one is Georgia. You know, that's the other one I was trying to think of Georgia. You know, with Herschel Walker running, uh, uh, you know, that that could be, you know, and you've got the, you've got the overlay of the gubernatorial race there, you know. Where you've got Brian Kemp and 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 I think it's David Perdue running against each other, that could have you know blow over into the U.S. Senate race, and you know the Republicans could be blowing themselves up in Georgia, Georgia, Pennsylvania. I don't see how if they don't take those two states, how they control the U.S. Senate. Mm. The House is a much different story. I think they're definitely um, going to do it. I, I I just don't see how it can happen. Nancy Pelosi is is such a divisive figure, you know, and and that'll that'll play in a lot of these. A lot of these swing districts that the Democrats won two years ago, and the Republicans in, in in a lot of states have done a great job at recruiting very good candidates. So, George, lots to uh, keep an eye on. We'll yes, definitely we'll definitely be back here. The closer we get to the midterm elections, get you back in here to talk more about uh, midterm elections anytime on a national page. Former state senator George Maziars was our guest the last hour. If you missed any of that, you can find it on the Odyssey app and at WBEN.com. Coming up next, Congressman Brian Higgins here on Hardline. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 